Hey, Relay, we are here for Coach's Corner. I am Matt Chittam. I am here with Dr. Stephanie Flippin. We are so excited to talk to you about some marathon training, that final six-week push, the kind of workouts that can hopefully put you over the top or at least get you ready for race day. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. It's funny. I, I feel Good. bad like pulling you into Marathon World after you just sat for like... <laughs> 48 hours, 72 hours watching the goings-on over in Chamonix, right. but but here you are. Yeah. No, I I really love this time of year, especially, like, this transition from, like, summer where, like, I, you know, my focus is, like, getting all my athletes through, like, trail and mountain season, getting myself through that season, and then we've got this nice little crossover straight into fall marathon season. Um, yeah, I, I love both of those worlds. So excited to chat about this today. I know. I feel like the, the your boy Scott Jurek Instagram has to do a thing where, like, you know, like they say, like, you can't wear white after Labor Day. Right. There has to be, like, a running version of that, of, like, going from, like, like the trail ultra world to like sure. road running marathon conversion of like, yeah. you know, there, there has to be a symbiosis there. I don't know what, if there's a certain color perforation, maybe it's like no camouflage after Labor Day <laughs> um, or like whatever, <laughs> like I'm trying to think like no, like no in Jinji mid tier, mm. like mid calf socks after Labor Day. I don't <laughs> right. I don't know exactly what the, the, uh, the, the clothing option would be. Yeah, it's maybe like a gradual progression. Like the the lugs on your shoes need to slowly and slowly get smaller until you're in like a vapor fly. <laughs> That's it. No five millimeter lugs after Labor Day. Right. <laughs> no, I love. Oh. It. Yeah. So marathon season is here. This is going to be so much fun here in Relay. We're going to be covering a lot of the goings on, especially in the major marathon world, right? Whether it's Berlin, I mean, Tommy's mm-hmm. going to be running Berlin. I think Marcus mm-hmm. is running Berlin too. Yeah. Um, you know, Chicago is going to be absolutely bananas. It's basically going to be like mm-hmm. the Olympic trials part one. It's going to be yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. New York is always great. CIM. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the yeah. storylines coming out of CIM mm-hmm. before and after are going to be yeah. nuts, but most of the people listening to this aren't running any of those races. Or if they are, they're not going to be in the elite corral. So mm-hmm. we're here talking about the, the workouts that will get you ready for race day. And we're going to kind of do a three tiered system here. Yeah. Kind of the more advanced runners, right? The people who are, you know, maybe knocking on the door of an OTQ or sub elite mm-hmm. or kind of in that genre, right? Mm-hmm. The more um, moderate paced runners, maybe that's people who are kind of like, kind of like a BQ range and mm-hmm. a little bit slower. And then the people who are like, hey, I've never run a marathon before. Maybe I ran mm-hmm. one like 10 years ago or I run a little intermittently. I'm usually 30 miles a week, but I really like marathons. And we'll talk about those people as well. Sure. But Steph, let's start talking at the, the, the tip of the spear <laughs> with from the, the speediest uh, yeah. runners, the most experienced runners. When you're, you know, you, first of all, you are one of those people. And I know oh, you thanks. coach a lot of those people yep. mm-hmm. as well. Is there you know a go-to workout or two that you yeah. like to do? And I guess when we say this, let's also talk <laughs> about like the timing of these workouts in relation sure. to race day or in relation to the, the beginning of a taper. Yeah, um, I know we had sort of agreed to chat about like the final like six weeks um, leading into a goal marathon. And then, you know, for our listeners taking into account. I, as a coach, typically go with that like 10 to 14 day taper. I know we've talked about tapering in the past, um, but just like building that into that six week period. So you're really looking at about like a month of that very like focused, higher volume work, that that kind of like month where we're peaking uh, before we taper into the race. Um, For me um, and like my more advanced athletes, I think that month is really, really critical to be shifting your focus and locking in marathon effort. 
um, the bulk of your work should be more towards that end. I don't like, I try in that last six weeks to sort of shift away with the exception of like strides and things like that, but shifting away from really like hefty, like 5k work, things like that. Maybe the fastest I tend to give to athletes is like 10k effort. Um, but I really like to shift that focus closer to you know, threshold half marathon, marathon effort, and really dialing into like what you're going to feel like on race day. So you feel super, super comfortable with that. Um, I would say like, I'll give an example of one of my like bulkier workouts that I like to give. Um, I tend to like to give something like two by 4k, uh, to 5k or so at marathon effort. Um, and you can also adjust this, um, based on like your, um, specific like level, your, your volume as well. Um, not every elite athlete is running like hundred mile weeks. Um, or I don't mean elite athletes, like sub elite athletes or athletes going for maybe if you're a male, like a BQ time or something like that. Um, two by, like I said, anywhere from like 4k to 5k at marathon effort, do like an easy four minute jog recovery, uh, between those. Um, and then I like to go into like a two by like 3k um and maybe do that at marathon like minus 10 to 12 seconds per mile or so so we're doing like a gentle cut down um and then i like to go into like a 2 by 2k um at like really trying to lock in closer to like half marathon effort and then i like to wrap up with 2 by 1k at threshold effort and if the athlete's feeling really really good maybe like reach a little bit closer to 10k um but really nothing I, I like to cap that effort typically around threshold. Um, I like cut downs like that. Um, but as we get closer and closer to race day, I feel like I lean a little bit more towards maybe like a six mile warm up, maybe eight continuous miles at marathon effort. Again, these are for more advanced athletes, um, eight miles continuously at marathon effort, four to five minute easy jog recovery. And then maybe doing like four miles, like at marathon minus 10 to 15 seconds or so. Um, and I really like to drive home the fact that those cut downs, they're not meant to look like exact perfect progressions. It's really about the effort on fatigued, tired legs. Um, I do like to give those sessions, um, especially for athletes that are targeting races where the course is more like amenable to negative splitting. Of course, like a race such as like Boston or something like that. I know we hit Boston pretty hard earlier in the spring. Um, it's like a little bit different. So I would maybe structure things slightly differently. But for example, if you're someone that's racing in Chicago um, or something like CIM, these cut downs like that, um, even if it's just like purely by effort and you're like, oh, okay, like when I'm looking back at my splits post-workout, I really only saw a delta of like four to five seconds. That's, that's perfect though. We're not looking for like an exact perfect progression. We're looking for that effort on fatigued legs as the race goes on. Yeah. And I think this is a great time to like mention like the difference between some of these these cohort groups that we're talking about right sure. so you're talking about like hey eight miles at marathon pace for mm -hmm. these you know higher end athletic performers you know for those people you know that could that's that could be like you know 45 minutes of time yeah right, right whereas right. like for someone else like say like in the second or third tier we're gonna talk about like mm -hmm. you know 45 minutes of time might be you know four or five miles right. at marathon pace like <clears> it's a completely different yep. ball game mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll pop in and say too, like, I, I definitely don't coach my male and female athletes in the same way. Um, in this more like sub elite bracket, or like I said, like, a you know, um, if we're shooting a little bit closer, like somewhere in between, maybe like an OTQ and a BQ. 
Um, I definitely like air closer on the side of a little bit less volume in terms of like continuous marathon effort um, for my female athletes, um, whereas I'm a little bit more aggressive with my male athletes. Um, and maybe um, I know Peter and I had a wonderful conversation about this, um, maybe sort of maxing out at around six, you know, 15 to 16 miles of continuous marathon effort for male athletes um, that are in that higher tier um, and are really looking to like go you know, further and further into that two hour marathon range. Um, whereas for my female athletes, I tend to cap things around like 10 to 12 continuous miles. Um, and that's also really dependent too, if the athlete has, you know, a, a half marathon built in, um, to the build or like a 10 mile race, things like that. Interesting. And no, not, not to rehash that entire episode, sure. but is there like certain bullet points, what you would give, like why you make that differentiation? Um, I do feel like, I do feel like you, you know, just physiologically, you can be a little bit more aggressive um, with male athletes, depending on their injury background. Um, and they're just able to handle um, a little bit more of that continuous work. Whereas um, I, I really never give more than, like I said, 12 continuous miles at marathon effort to my female athletes. Um, I would just rather respect like the hormonal process as well and being sure that we're not digging too deep there. Um, yeah, I, I just like to be a little bit safer there. Um, just not even just from an injury perspective, but just at a cellular level too. Um, I'd rather have my female athletes be feeling totally rested and feeling really, really strong heading into the race. That's not to say that I don't want my male athletes to feel that way, but just like I said, physiologically, I do feel like even just like musculoskeletally, my male athletes tend, male athletes in general tend to be able to handle um, just a little bit of, have, of a heavier load uh, in the marathon block. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think with the, you know, the, the cut down nature of those of those workouts that you did, mm -hmm. I think it really does allow people to like get the idea of making sure that they go out conservatively, yeah. like the right. progress, like the death to every progression run is going out like too early in the yeah. workout because you're like, wait, how am I going to progress from this like this super hot start? And I think yeah. that like, while that might not be like the, the, the point of the workout necessarily, I feel like mm -hmm. one of the, the positive byproducts are like, you better be used to going out yeah. under control because if you right. don't, this is going to get hairy quickly. Yeah, and I, I just really feel like the bulk of, like, the majority of the fall marathons that folks are targeting, like like we mentioned, like Chicago, Berlin, like New York is a little bit different, but, I mean, even still, like, you still have to go up Berizano. I mean, I, I just think that there's so much, um, like merit in just hammering home that conservative start and then like progressing those cut downs. Like I said, even if like, you're not seeing an enormous Delta as you move through these workouts, it really is about the effort there. Um, and like, if you don't hammer it home in practice, you're going to get too excited on race day. Like, especially at a race like Chicago. I mean, I've raced Chicago like five times. I think it's like, it's just like electric. I mean, all of these world ma world marathon majors are, but like for something like Chicago, like your GPS is like totally out the window. Like you could be you could be running like a mile PR like off of adrenaline, and then you're like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, I just think it's so important to practice that in training so that it's second nature on race day. Right, right. I'm I'm thinking of like also like. Like the the female pros again, they, mm -hmm. they know what they're doing. They're pacing themselves just fine. But like right. they're also like they're not starting. They don't have like a female pro start. They're out right. there with like the sub elite men. Yeah, 
and they're like all of a sudden it's like all right we're all just going right mm-hmm. it's, i can imagine like it was funny i think it was like what was it 2018 or 19 when the bridget cost guy was like out mm. there like she's on 214 pace yeah. you're like oh okay. my god oh yeah what is going I on remember that <laughs> that was wild <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I had a podcast with Nico Montanez. Um, it was, I don't know, five or six weeks ago uh, in preparation for the World Championships. And he mm-hmm. had just done a video with Sidious Mag. So people might have seen the Sidious yeah. Mag video. It was detailing a marathon workout that him and uh, his coach, or Andrew Castor, were, were putting together. Mm-hmm. And it was, they called it like, I'm trying to remember, it was like a mental, like a, a mental endurance Long run is how they called it, but obviously mm-hmm. it was more than just that. It was, there was plenty of physical stimulation as well. But basically, it was every other weekend, and in the the intervening weekends, it was just like mm-hmm. a normal easy run. I mean, mm-hmm. normal easy long run, right? Mm-hmm. Of like you know twenty twenty five miles or something like that for someone at his level. Um, but it was like at first it was ninety minutes at marathon plus like fifteen to twenty five seconds, mm-hmm. and then it was. Two no, it was like then it was an hour and forty five minutes, and mm-hmm. then it was two hours, mm-hmm. right? So kind of like you know every two weeks doing that, and the idea was like staying, staying mentally focused, yeah, in that and being <clears> able <throat> to hold that. Again, they did also did at elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was around four to five thousand feet, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. crazy. Like he wasn't in Mammoth; they drove yeah, down right. the mountain. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really interesting. And again, it's not again. Nico is one of the best marathoners in the world, so. Mm-hmm. It's not a completely apples to apples comparison, but I loved that workout for this tier of athlete where mm-hmm. like, you know, going out and hammering, you're hammering at such like a, like for these athletes, they can run so, so fast that yeah. if you go out and hammer, it's a huge physical load, right? Yeah. As opposed to like, if you're a four, four and a half, five hour marathon, or like, yeah. if you go run your 5k pace, again, it's still, you're breathing like crazy and it's mm-hmm. hard, but it's not like the physical pounding of running like a 420 marath- mile, right? right. On, on like your joints and things like that, <laughs> that connective tissue, we all have the same connective tissue and all that stuff. Anyway. I thought that it was a great, great workout, and like yeah. I was like, I, I got, I'm stealing this sucker. Like this is fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I think you bring up, bring up a really good point there about um, this sort of like misnomer about like gray zone running. And I know you and I have had this conversation before on another coach's corner, but it it is a really, really great point there to have the understanding that that the the fitter you are and the more like the, the closer you are to that sub elite or that elite bracket the delta between your efforts is going to get smaller and smaller um so like you just mentioned that like for someone like nico their marathon effort is by no means easy like it's not like oh you know just like faster end of easy yeah, easy it, plus not, yeah yeah it, it's not this that's not like the, the conversation that we're having here um so the workout that you just described like if you try to apply that to say like a four-hour marathoner or perhaps even like a 330 marathoner that would technically be classified closer to that quote gray zone um but for my sub elite athletes and like we said athletes that are reaching further and further like beyond that sub three hour marathon um barrier there like i I think that there's a lot of benefit in running at that moderate effort and i actually prescribe quite quite a few long runs like that where i'm like take the first half of this run like easy at your easy pace like you know if it's a six we'll just use like 16 miles and as an example as you get closer and closer to that half 
halfway mark um, in the first half of the run, you can st start to progress it a little bit to faster end of easy. Um, but then I, I also prescribe, let's try to run the last eight miles of that run at a moderate effort. And that really is like marathon plus 15 to 20 seconds or 25, you know, 30 seconds max um, off of marathon effort. Um, and yeah, I think there is a lot of benefit in those types of runs, even though you're not like technically working like, you know, like threshold work or like locking into marathon effort. Um, there is a lot of merit in doing so. Um, and I think there is a time and a place for those moderate efforts um, within training. Yeah. And I think the, the ones that I would go to before that conversation, again, mm -hmm. which, which I kind of like adapt for my athletes a little bit based mm -hmm. on time and things like that mm -hmm. are like, I think the classic ones of like, either like two by five or like mm -hmm. three by five K. Yep. Right. Kind of, I've been kind of like yep. working those like, like the three by five K and then yep. two weeks later going two by five, yep. making marathon effort. Mm -hmm. And also, and I think the key part here is I know that we didn't talk about this specifically in terms of like <laughs> our prep is like making sure that these runs, that these marathon focused workouts are on terrain that mimics the terrain of the course yes. you're going to be running. Yep. And if you're going to mm -hmm. air to one side or the other, make it slightly more challenging yep. than the race course that you're going to be doing. Not slightly less challenging mm -hmm. as long as it mirrors it. Right. So like, yep. again, say you're running 10 miles and you want it to be 600 feet of elevation gain. There's a lot of ways to hit that number, right? It could right. be one <laughs> huge climb or right. it could be like, you know, four to six, you know, moderate inclines. Right. Mm -hmm. So try to get don't just look at the stats of the race course, yep. trying to be like, OK, what does this actually look like in practice, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and take it from there. And I think once you get to that point, I, I think you want to make sure that you incorporate that into the marathon miles so that you get used to, OK, how does my marathon effort feel going uphill mm -hmm. and how does my marathon yeah. effort feel going downhill? And that's something mm -hmm. that is independent of fitness. Right. Yep. Just understanding how that feels. And again, yeah. part of that, especially if you're going downhill, the idea is kind of like no breaks in a sense, mm -hmm. but not necessarily yeah. stepping on the gas either, mm -hmm. depending at certain levels. Yeah. Um, but more more importantly, on the uphill, like, okay, can I kind of start, like, you know, I guess whispering up to threshold pace, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that threshold pace, threshold effort, mm -hmm. right? So it like starts to get to threshold effort as you're yeah. getting up the hill, not the beginning of the hill, but like toward, maybe towards the top if it's yeah. like, say, 100 to 125 foot incline. And then, you know, and then on the, on the way down, once you mm -hmm. kind of get your sea legs under you on the first, you know, the first 20 yeah. meters or so after you eclipse the hill, mm -hmm. you know, then kind of like, all right, running downhill, no breaks, but trying to be, you know, as efficient as possible and not slamming, slamming mm -hmm. my way down. But yeah, I usually, before I usually did the three by five K leading into the two by five mile yep. after like a three mile or so warm up kind of leading in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely worked in both of those sessions as well. Um, big fan of like the three by five K too. I feel like like you can tinker with, like you said, like the recovery between those. Um, and that's a great session to be like, okay, maybe take the first 5k, like marathon effort plus like five to 10 seconds or so, and then do like a very like minimal cut down throughout. But I, I do feel like that's a really confidence building uh, session. Same with two by five. In the three by 5k, I think that especially if you're going to be doing that one, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you plan your fueling accordingly. And by yeah. that, I mean, if you do three by 5k and you're that level, mm -hmm you could easily plan your nutrition for the down periods. Yeah. I would say make sure you don't do that. Right, exactly. Like, do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're mm -hmm. planning it so, like, in the middle yep. or whatever of each of those five Ks that you are practicing, taking mm -hmm. out a gel, yeah. ripping it open while you're at marathon <laughs> pace, and then, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, 
basically you know inhaling it while you're at marathon yeah. pace as opposed mm-hmm. to doing it when you're at easy pace because it's just easier to go through that whole process yep. obviously yep. and that's just one of those things that we all have to practice and again that's like a not a fitness thing that is like a coordination slash yep. like mental energy thing totally totally yeah and i think what you mentioned too about being sure that your terrain um is specific yeah i mean it's interesting, like I'm currently um, heading um, the sub three uh, lift run perform team um, that's heading to CIM um, with my co-coach, uh, Mary Denholm. And um, it's it's interesting because the last time I raced CIM, that was 2018, I was like coming off like a ton of like trail running. So for me, like I'm like, I. I didn't even really feel the hills like truthfully at CIM. Like I, you know, I've been like living and training in Colorado. Um, but for a handful of the women that are in our group, they're like, Oh my gosh, when I raced CIM like in 2019 or something or whichever year it was, they were like, oh, I just got destroyed by the hills. Like I know I need to hammer them like for this training block. Um, so it, it's just, it's all relative. So having an understanding of where you're coming from, like coming off of the summer, um, like where you're located, I do think it is important to not just, like hit like like hill repeats are are great like they're a staple in all of like my marathoners training um maybe for someone like targeting like chicago or berlin i start to taper off of like the hill work just because it's not very specific um but it is important to not just be hitting like hill strides like one minute hill repeats like maybe like midweek but building in very similar terrain where you're like okay this is what my marathon effort feels like on rolling terrain simulating like that first half of cim and like you said having the understanding that sometimes when you're going up like you're going to be by the like like you said by the time you're hitting the top of the hill you might i mean you shouldn't be feeling like lactic per se but like you might start to feel like ooh, like i feel some like tingling going on here um just because you're you're recruiting, you're trying to recruit speed and power at the same time uh, going up that. So important to incorporate that within the long run. Yeah. And it just like wears your body out. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's yeah. the other thing too. It's like, it's not even like yeah. in the middle of the hill. It's more just like yeah. you hit mile 15. You're like, why is my whole body tired? Right. Yeah. I, I, I live in a very like, I would say a very hilly area because like mm-hmm. it's Rhode Island. Like I'm not mm-hmm. in the, like, I'm not in the White Mountains <laughs> or the Rockies sure. or anything. But like where I run, it's really easy for me to like go up like 100 150 foot mm-hmm. hills just like mm-hmm. a normal easy run like that's just mm-hmm. normal which is like for a road running marathon would be a hilly run yeah right mm-hmm. so you know it's like getting like 800 feet of elevation gain that 10 mile run is super easy where i mm-hmm. live which would be mm-hmm. a very hilly road marathon right yeah. so i that's where i was prepping for, for cim but it was so funny it's so like I, again i'm no i'm no great marathoner <laughs> but i was running next to people who were like oh my god another hill like I didn't train for this. And you're like, mm. I can imagine. Like, here's the other thing. When yeah. you're, like, this isn't related to our topic exactly, but like, don't go by the elevation chart on the, mm-hmm. marath- on the marathon website. Yeah. Okay. First of all, they're super condensed. <laughs> they're smaller images. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. like, they're kind of like sanded down a little mm-hmm. bit in terms mm-hmm. of the elevation yeah. profile. Um, I would say find someone who ran that race. Mm-hmm. Go to their Strava. Don't yeah. use your phone. Go to the mm-hmm. desktop version so the mm-hmm. whole race course is, like, stretched out. And yeah. you can, like, use your mouse and see exactly what the climbs are like. Yep. Because Within that was each the thing. mile. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we talked about this with CIM last year. It was like, hey, if you go to the CIM website, it looks like after mile, like, eight, it's just down. sledding. <laughs> yeah. And right. you're like, that is not the experience. Mm-hmm. And if you go on Strava and look at someone's actual data file, mm-hmm. that's also not what you would see. Mm-hmm. So make sure, if you can, find someone who ran the race before Mm-hmm. Even if that just means a little like, you know, like internet sleuthing mm-hmm. and then, you know, find their, find a, you know, a, a publicly shared Strava file and mm-hmm. just go through it. I think yeah. that's the best way of kind of figuring out exactly what a course is going to look like as opposed mm-hmm. to some of these other, other methods. 
Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's talk about that next group. Yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. more like the, you know, if you're a male runner, kind of like more like 315 mm-hmm. to like 345 and maybe mm-hmm. add 15 seconds or so mm-hmm. to like more of the female running side. Again, really almost sure. like doing like the like on-the-fly BQ adjustment here. Yeah. Um, but like in, in that range, what are some of the, the workouts that you, um, you really trust? Yeah, I I definitely really like the something like paring down what I mentioned with like, okay, maybe doing like eight miles like at marathon effort and then like four miles closer to like half marathon effort or like my, you know, marathon minus 15 seconds per mile. Um, I really like starting out with maybe like four mile, like three to four mile or like three to five mile warm up, and then maybe doing like four miles um, at marathon effort, taking maybe like a half mile jog recovery, like four to five minutes, and then doing like two miles um, at like maybe marathon minus 10 seconds per mile or so. Um, I tend in this bracket of runners, I do tend to maybe stack two weekends in a row um, that have more like long runs that have marathon specific work, and then being sure that every like third weekend or so, I'm building in just a straight aerobic long run. Um, with the option there of maybe running if, if they're feeling good uh, to run the second half um, of that aer- easy aerobic run closer to a moderate effort. Um, that's where I tend to build in those types of runs for this bracket of runners. I don't think it's quite as critical to hammer home the more lengthy um, marathon effort tempos. Um, I, I like to be a little bit more sparing here. And I also have the understanding that I, I th- I tend to find that this specific group of athletes um, wants to reach for more and more. And and again, this is a a generalization here, Um, but I do find um, that it's like we we want to get you to a start line with like the fitness and the recovery to get a safe BQ, not like getting a BQ by like 15 to 20 minutes. By all means, if your fitness is there, of course, like don't sell yourself short. But I do find that I, in general, I tend to need to hold these athletes back a bit more. Um, So I do like to build in more all easy or like slightly moderate um, aerobic long runs for this group. I don't know if if you have um, noticed the same in your, in your coaching. I love that last point you just made because it's so yeah. true. Because in this group is where yeah. like those big those big numbers that have the gravity around them tend to lie. Yeah. Right, like for the men, it's like, all right, can I break three hours? Right, or like, mm-hmm. can I get the yep. BQ for the women? Like, all right, can I break three and a half and or get the BQ? Like that sometimes like it, the the three and a half is also the BQ number for certain age groups, right? Or it's like, all right, can mm-hmm. I break three forty five? It's like those are like those big numbers that so many people like really look at. Where like. The, like the, mm-hmm. the group you're we talking about before, like not many people are like, all right, can I get to 230, you know, 253? It's like, again, there's, yeah, there's gravity right. around certain numbers. <clears throat> Go stand next to a finish line. You'll be able to see it like in person. <laughs> and this middle yeah. group, like those numbers are very real for them. Yeah. That is for yep. sure. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I completely agree with what you said. Um, mm-hmm. And also like, this is a great comparison. Like if someone were going to like go out and do marathon pace mm-hmm. for like two hours yeah that would be a huge lift you think about like like say you're like all right i'm gonna do marathon pace for two hours mm-hmm. like i'm gonna do like marathon for like 15 miles right i think you run choices what do marathon for 15 miles right. like that's two hours like yeah think about like if nico montanez again just to make just because we already brought mm-hmm. him up like say he did a marathon ever for two hours that's his marathon exactly <laughs> like he's not yeah. gonna literally exactly. race a marathon yeah. in training and to right. get ready for the marathon right, right. so yeah. that's why we, we talked about like paring this down mm-hmm. um one thing that i like to do for this group mm-hmm. is doing like plus 20 to 30 seconds mm-hmm. and minus 20 to 30 seconds, mm-hmm. like alternating miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So like over like a 10 mile to 12 mile span, just so they're getting used to what these different paces feel like. Right. Right. Because oftentimes mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't know what marathon effort means. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, yeah, they're because they're they're obviously really talented athletes mm-hmm. and they're really got into it. But at the same time, they're not super dials sometimes mm-hmm. like quite like that first group is yep. but like, what does marathon effort mean? And like you said, sometimes that like gravitational pull of a certain number mm-hmm. They want to get that so bad. It's like really dialing in. Okay, we're going to run at 740 and then we're going to like do a float mile at 820 and then back to 740 and then back to 820 Mm -hmm. and kind of do this for 10 to 12 miles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great way of really kind of figuring out where they are, um, not just fitness wise, but also getting that that sense of what these paces actually feel like in practice Mm -hmm. and how that they are very different. Yeah, I, I do tend. I agree with you. I do tend to like to do the sort of like float recoveries with this group. I think it's great if you alternate like K's um, for this. Um, I don't know why I tend to gravitate more towards like K's um, versus, versus. I've noticed that. Like, you bring yeah, up kilometers yeah. quite a lot. You got the, you got the Chamonix still <laughs> um, in you. Yeah, maybe it's on my international <laughs> athletes. But um, no, I, I do think it's really helpful to alternate. Um, like I can like, you can like progress into this too. Like more probably more on like the easier side of things you can alternate like a kilometer at marathon effort and then a kilometer at like what i call like faster end of easy that's usually like marathon plus like maybe for this group like 40 sec 30 to 40 seconds per mile or so um you know that that delta is a little bit larger like we said at this point um you can kind of ease into things with that um sometimes like for my athletes who like dive into like the trail and ultra world i'm like let's dial closer to like 50k to 50 mile effort for your jog recoveries quick audio issue on stephanie's end let me just jump in um i love the moderate pacing because there's also there's a group of people oftentimes that i find in this cohort that are very talented runners but then just haven't quite had like that breakthrough race or are like just not quite as confident as they should be um very few of my male athletes fall into this 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 so this subgroup. Um, some of them do, but oftentimes it's some of my female runners who just for whatever reason just don't quite believe that they are capable of doing the things that they are obviously showing in their training. So when sometimes we get to race day, they're like they 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 hold back. There's it's, it's this obvious holdback mechanism, and sometimes for those athletes, what I love to do is like, hey, you know, one mile, you know, one mile, like say like one hour warm up, and then second hour, like. Just moderate pace. Don't look at the watch. Just run fun, moderate pace. Right? I call it fun pace. All right? Another thing you call it is like easy plus or whatever. Whatever your term of art is. But the idea is we're not looking at the watch. We're just going to run at a moderate fun effort. We're, you know, don't go anaerobic, but just kind of like have fun out there. And what always tends to happen is exactly what I'm sure anyone can who's listening to this can like you know, finish my sense for me. They finish up and they're like, holy cow, when I uploaded the file, like it was way faster than I thought I was going or blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, I did this with an athlete and if she's listening right now, she's going to laugh. I'm not going to say her name, but like she was hitting like 648 pace and like some of the, like she was absolutely fine. And she felt fine. She did it for like, I think she went like 90 minutes doing it. And I was like, no surprise to me. Right. But it was like one of those things where like, Sometimes when you get into these efforts, it's easy to be clock watching, right? Especially if like you do the, the one I just talked about, like, like, all right, we're doing 20 seconds slower and then 20 seconds faster. Like you're trying to like gauge it. You're looking at your watch. This is like the exact opposite of that. But ultimately you're recruiting the same physical systems, but you're doing it hopefully in a way that mentally and emotionally 
you're able to completely just let it fly and then hopefully have the kind of result that allows you to be like, oh, wow, like, look at this. Like, this is just like such a bright, shining light on like what's possible. Yeah, totally. I think along those same lines, too, for this bracket um, of athletes, sometimes like especially earlier on in the training block, I know we're like specifically focusing on those final six weeks. But I think like maybe in that like month prior, I tend to give more of like threshold repeats within a long run uh, and then like you know just easy jog recoveries i feel like that's super helpful in the development of these athletes in just developing their running economy and also just helping them see and like frame marathon effort as like being a little bit easier and having that understanding that you're not trying to like ride this line of like oh my god can i hang on can i not i mean certainly we all start to feel that way like you know in the you know in the last like 10k of a marathon um but for these athletes like if earlier on like i mentioned prescribing like maybe closer to threshold repeats and then easy jog recoveries they're going to end up averaging like their marathon effort there um so just you know what i mean just starting to like frame it and ha- so that we have that understanding that like marathon effort for this bracket shouldn't be this like all out suicide pace um and cuz like you said for this 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 group of athletes sometimes it can be difficult to be like what is my marathon effort um so yeah yeah, and I think this group, it's also important to get to the point where, like, they're doing 10 miles either the day before or the day after, depending on, like, how their schedule works. Sometimes, like, people do their can do their long runs, like, the day before their rest day, in which case you're doing, like, 10 miles the day before. And if it's the opposite, if you can do, like, you know, the long run, then 10 miles the next day, I feel like that that group, especially if you have that double digits, not only is it you getting the kind of physical stimulus that goes along with that, maybe kind of adding to some of the tiredness to the legs and hopefully adding strength through that process, but also like, again, we can't, we can't ignore like the psychological part of this, seeing like that 10 next to your long run. Like it just feel like, it feels like, wow, like this is pretty cool. Especially if you haven't been to that level before from a training volume standpoint. I think like your point there too is perfect. It reminded me of something else too, where like for, especially for this group of athletes, I've never read I'm I really am fixated on like the three hour mark and like or like I, I'm really not prescribing anything longer than that. I really don't think that there's any benefit in running like 22 milers, like 24 milers for this group. Um, and like I said, I, I tend to see an, a strong need to hold these athletes back um, from wanting to do that because I think that like that sort of like arbitrary line in the sand um, with a BQ or something like, or maybe it's like 310 or something like that um, for a male or, or a female. Um, it's, it's just so important to have the understanding that like more isn't better you know, better is better and like quality over quantity here. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to see that pattern quite frequently. Yeah, definitely. And this is also like a great group for like the half marathon or 10 mile race six weeks out. Right. You kind of view that as like a really good stimulus. Um, and again, whether you approach it, like, you know, our, our good friend and relay contributor, Tommy, what he did was he did like 10 miles, at marathon and then like kind of pushed it the last last 5k um or you could kind of like do the opposite of like all right we're gonna do it can you scale it back to be like okay like you know first five or six easy plus and then kind of get build up to marathon pace there's a lot of ways to approach it but i think it does um provide someone with like all right you're gonna have like the support you're gonna have the water on, on on the course all of that and as long as you're not like too jacked up about like like about racing racing it does give you that that um 
that overall stimulus of like, again, being in that 13 to 14 mile range where like a lot of the longers in this group often tend to be, especially if you can kind of compound that with a 10 mile run the day before or after. All right. Last group. So this is a group again, who was like, okay, I'm not out there. Like, Hey, like their marathon pace may not be like a whole lot different than their easy pace. Right? Like this is the, the last group that we're talking about. This is like, all right, you know, four hours into the four and a half by five and a half hours into the six group. This can get tricky because for this group, oftentimes, especially if you get into that higher range of times where a lot of the, I guess, like the, the on the free online marathon guides, which can be really good, especially for that middle tier group. I feel like those are the ones that they're, they're made for like that group. This, this group can be tough. Like you would never subscribe a 20 mile run to this group. Like you would never in a million years do that because it would just, they'd be out there for way too long. It would just burn them out. It would be such a huge stress that it would ruin them by the time they get to race day. So for these, these groups, I don't even oftentimes if I put in like time ranges, it's, very short amount of time, right? Like three miles at, mar at like at what we'll call marathon pace, right? Like really like easy plus moderate effort, but it's more just like the more like the back-to-back -back runs. I think this is, this is the key for this group kind of like, Hey, we're going to do, you know, 12 miles today and eight to 10 tomorrow. Again, for this group, that's, that's going to be a lot of volume over the course of two days on their feet. And it's like, when you're feeling good, go up to moderate pace, totally fine. And if you're, if you need to stay easy, that's fine too. Let's just focus on fueling and we're going to focus on time on feet. And we're just going to try to practice having like positive vibes and positive momentum moving forward. I couldn't agree more about that. Um, I think it's so important for this group, like the overarching theme, I feel like for any of my athletes that fall into this category is consistency like consistency throughout the week. Um, I often, when we start a training block like this, especially if it's for an athlete where this is their first marathon, I, I always like, I'm like, our goal here is to get you to the start line and the finish line healthy and happy. Like that's the biggest goals. We want you to enjoy this. Honestly, um, like I think we've touched on this in, in the past, but even for athletes, um, this is maybe like slightly out of this category, but if you're an athlete where it's like you're, you, you've qualified for Boston, but it's your first time running Boston, like I'm just using that as an example. Of course, like I don't, you know, choose your goals. Like you, I'm not encouraging anyone to like sandbag a run, especially if they're fit. Um, but have the understanding too that like you're never going to get something like your first marathon or your first Boston marathon back. Um, and the, really the first goal should be like get to the start line and the finish line healthy, but just have fun. Like that should be the overarching theme. Um, and especially for like my first time marathoners. Um, and so I really like to encourage consistency, like getting out the door throughout the week and, and the understanding that like we're learning the basic principles here of, of endurance running. And the fact that, yes, of course, like I know, like throughout this podcast, Matt and I have been really focused on like the long run workouts and yes, like it's critical, right? Like without the long run workouts built in and just the time on feet, like those are the most specific runs of the week that are most applicable to what we're training for. But there, it also like, it's not going to set you up for success if you know, you take four days off during the week and you don't get out for those like three to five mile runs. And then you're like, okay, well, gosh, now I just have to do this, like, you know, two hour long run that Matt prescribed. And then he has me going out for another 80 minutes the next day or, or something like that. Um, I do think it's really important for this group to have that understanding that 
everything adds up all the time on feet adds up and it's just as important to get out there throughout the week getting those like shorter runs in um, for this group starting to have the understanding of what strides mean um, like getting that neuromuscular turnover in um, and just like I said having that focus on staying healthy I think the point Matt that you brought up about really teaching like fueling and how to fuel well that's so critical because I mean to be on your feet for four plus hours, that's a long amount of time. And it's like, I'm, I'm not saying that for this group, fueling is more important. It's important for every single athlete. Um, but I mean, when you are out there for a little bit longer, I mean, you, you can't slack on that. So that's just, that's an, a critical component in your training. Um, I, I would argue like probably the most important, um, <laughs> you know, tenant of training uh, for this group. Yeah, that's a great point. That actually dovetails perfectly with what I was going to say. Like the other thing that I like to tell these people, especially if they're more in the five-hour range, is like, all right, listen, there's a very good chance that you're not going to run this whole thing. And that's there's no shame in that, right? Like you're in the ultra-running world. Who runs all the races? Like, like Yeah, walking is a part of running. It is. Hey. So like the idea is like, okay, let's plan it out. Let's not just be like, all right, I have to walk because I have completely exhausted myself, right? Let's be a little more proactive. It's like, okay, I want to have a gel every 20 minutes. Say, okay, well, perfect. Like we're going to take those gels on the walk, right? So it's like, okay, perfect. Like little treat. So, you know, it's like, all right, hit the 20 minute mark. All right. So again, we're not leisurely walking. We're walking with purpose, Okay, but we're walking with purpose. Take the gel out. Do what you got to do. Most gels you need to have like with water. Great, have some water with it, and then we're back, back to you know, back to jogging, and we're back to that, right? So it's like every twenty minutes or so, you're doing strategic walks. Again, same thing with like if you're preparing for race day. Like, all right, on race day, when I hit a water station, or you know, you want to get a Gatorade or whatever, like do that on the walk. Again, walking with intention, walking fast. But again, you're not running. You're making sure you're getting all your water all your electrolytes, you're not losing anything in terms of pace. Cause like you'll see people like you'll catch up to them, no problem, but you're making sure that you're hydrating and eating accordingly. And you're taking a little pressure off your body during this, during this segment. And so just being able to incorporate the nutrition with some of the planned, um, you know, speedier walking segments, I think, I think tends to dovetail nicely. And it gives them like a sense of like, all right, like I'm still like on the plan, like, I'm not just doing this because like I can't run. I'm doing this because I want to maximize my fuel intake. That also like it it sounds different when we when we phrase it that way. Yep. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um something else that like popped into my mind for this group um of athletes, I do tend to feel like I lean a little bit more towards giving more hill work um than I do like all out like interval effort. So like interval being like anywhere from like mile to like 5k effort. And I think it also, why I do that sort of ties into the fact that these athletes, like I honestly treat closer to like ultra marathoners, like you, you were preparing your body to like be out there and for, you know, a prolonged period of time. Um, and we want you to be as strong and kind of like hardy as possible out there. Um, so I often feel like prescribing a little bit more hill work to this group, um, just builds more resiliency and like durability in the body without like just hammering extra work when, you know, most of the, most of these athletes are probably a little bit newer, um, to this sport. Um, and I don't want to say more injury prone, but like I said, if we sort of focus more on hill work, we're, we're building that sort of disguised speed, um, 
um, and just making them, like I said, as durable as possible um, to be on on your feet for around, you know, four to five, four to six hours or so. Right. And I would say if someone's on the cusp of this group and the previous group, so maybe you're like in that four hour, 15 marathon range and stuff like that, which again, you're you know, you're probably not planning on walking any part of the marathon unless like you're at an aid station. It's just like hard for you to drink from the cups. But like, again, so you're maybe, you know, walking through an aid station for all of 20 seconds and you're back to running, um, which is, I think, again, a perfectly good strategy for a lot of people just to maximize what you're taking in. Um, I think for a lot of these people, they could probably go to the workouts that we talked about in the previous group um, and be able to do that just fine. Again, if you're at that 415 range from a marathon perspective, you know, that means you're you're your pace is going to be around 930 or so, which again is probably, you know, in those cases, probably again, about a minute per mile faster than your normal easy pace. So getting used to being in the nines, the lower nines is going to be useful for you. Yeah. I do feel like I tend to encourage, um, this bracket of athletes, um, maybe to add in more races than I typically would maybe for the the previous brackets that I mentioned, um, just to get their great like practice days, um, just getting the, getting through, like going through the motions of race day, practicing with aid stations, because like, you know, like you are going to be the one that's going to have to be grabbing cups. And there's already like, unfortunately, I, I'm so hopeful that the road, um, like marathon world will begin to change with like all the cups and like trash and stuff on the ground. I know it's like cleaned up, but, um, it can be like a slipping hazard, honestly. Oh, yeah. so, like, you know what I mean? So like getting, getting used to that type of like, sort of like crazy environment, um, and building in more races. I'll use like some of my New York city, um, based athletes as an example. I think it's great. Like for anyone training for, um, New York, or even if you're not running New York, um, but you, you're like based there, like utilizing like New York Roadrunners, like all of their different series. I know they build in a lot of training runs. I think those, those types of training runs that are supported are really, really helpful for this group. Um, just to get a sense, like I said, of how race day is managing and like having the understanding of like it just wears you down if you try to like weave through you know too many runners um getting a sense of like where like you know i know like these days there's like start corrals and like you have to start there but just getting a sense of like how that feels though working with others around you and just getting like i said that race day practice like you're fueling you like your breakfast before dialing into all of your gear maybe uh, i mean i'm someone that has like proudly ran like a sub three hour marathon like holding a handheld bottle right but um so it, like that's not just specific to this group but um you know I do think it's also really important because most like world majors do not allow you to run with something like a hydration pack or a vest yet. A lot of athletes that fall into this group, if you're like in that four hour to six hour range kind of have to rely on something like that more than just a handheld bottle and training, um, you know, especially for these super, super long runs. And especially like if you've been training through the summer, so building, like utilizing these types of supported training runs, I feel like is really helpful so that like, you're not, you have an, an understanding of how to hydrate and things without relying on that hydration pack, just little details like that, that perhaps some of the, like the faster groups, like it might not be as specific to them. Right. Yeah. Like the long runs almost take like a logistical, like like it's almost like logistics prep in some case, right? Like if you have some like compare yourself to a three hour marathon or it's like, okay, like they might only need to carry like seven or eight shells with them. And that might be like, a, and, that, and that might be a lot to like take in for them, right? Like if you're, but if you're running for five hours, like you're not taking seven or eight shells, you're taking almost double that. Like, how am I going to be carrying these things? Right. That becomes again, 
that's just part of the thing. It's just like if you're talking to ultra runners, like how are you carrying this stuff down the trail? You know, so it's like especially if you're doing like a looped course and you're not like hitting like these aid stations every like 10K or something like that, where it allows you to, to stock up or have drop bags. You know, I think it, you have to view it in that light. Like, all right, do you have a, a waist belt? that has ample room, but also doesn't chafe and things like that. Um, I think that that long run days can be really great for dialing that sort of thing in. So it's not just about the fitness. It's about preparing for race day in a holistic sense. Totally. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right. This has been so much fun. Everyone, thank you for listening to Relay, for subscribing, for sharing with your friends, for rating and reviewing. Stephanie coaches for Lift, Run, Perform. I coach for Mercury Trained. If you want to reach out to us, obviously, feel free to do so. Stephanie, do you want to say anything before we get going? No, I just wish everyone the best. I know we're getting close here. I have tons of athletes prepping to fly out to Berlin. We've got the taper on the mind. A lot of athletes heading out for Chicago as well. So wishing everyone the best. Trust in your training. Don't try to overreach at this point. Like I said, honestly, at this point, like if you're getting real close, less is probably more. Take care of yourself and stay healthy.